Hello everyone, welcome along to the November edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. As ever, I'm Kev, I'm your host for the podcast and I'm joined by two regulars, James Cunliffe, the Lutonian journalist and the Trust Chairman, Tony Murray. Uh, this is the first time that the three of us have actually done a podcast in person since um, COVID-19 was ever a thing. So chaps, it's great to be back amongst you. It is Good nice to, to see your faces. Yeah, it except, is. Yeah. Except now I realise why we do this as a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm having second thoughts about it as well, James. Yeah. Cheeky sods. Um, okay, we will, as always, we'll do this podcast over two parts. The first part, we'll look back on what's happened since the uh, last time we got together on Zoom. Uh, we will discuss the four matches in that time. And our two player focuses for this month will be on Elijah Adebayo and Cal Naismith. And then part two of the podcast, we'll look at some of the current issues uh, surrounding the game. We'll look ahead to the uh, matches to come after the international break. And as promised at the last podcast, we'll have a bit of a deeper chat on Power Court. And there was some good news to celebrate there, which we'll come on to later. Let's do the first part of the podcast then and matches that have um, been and gone. The first one um, that was played out since we were together, Tony, was the whole City home game. Uh, there was a lot of sort of optimism going into that, wasn't there, after the away yeah. game at Millwall, yeah. the draw at um, Derby. And we won the game. Fair to say it wasn't the best performance in the world, but sometimes it's just picking up three points. Yeah, exactly right. And it's a sign of a good side that you can play, you know, not great and still pick up points, which was good. And, and, and we scored the goal. And um, looking back on it, I think Hull only had a, a, a brief foray at some point during the second half. But it was we, we were in control, although we weren't great. Uh, and we got the goal that counted. So, you know, I'm happy. Three points and we move on from that. Yeah, happy days. The downside was the injury to Luke mm. Berry. Not yeah. seen him since James. Mm. Actually turned the game as well because we looked like the side that had played Millwall, that had played parts against Derby whilst Berry was on the pitch, but kind of faded away quite quickly after he went. Yeah, oh, well, and Elijah as well because he and went Elijah. off at half-time and, yeah. and didn't, didn't, yeah. didn't play for a, a game or two. So uh, they weren't quite the same force without him and just shows how um, indispensable he's making himself. I think the phrase that's doing the rounds is priceless, isn't it? Which we will come on to yeah. throughout the uh, r- the remainder of the podcast. Uh, really good win, though. Um, set us up for the three games to come. But, I mean, I'll stick with you, James. The Preston away game, I mean. Dyer doesn't do that one justice. We just didn't turn up. You echoed a minute ago the lack of Elijah, and it really showed in that afternoon. No disrespect to Cameron Jerome whatsoever. Cameron Jerome does what Cameron Jerome is good at. But the team's a different beast without Elijah Adebayo in it, and we saw it that afternoon. Yeah, I mean, he, his quality is uh, undoubted at the moment, and Cameron Jerome's been there and done it in terms of playing in the Premier League. But he came into that side quite cold, really, didn't he? He hadn't, hadn't played a lot of games, and his sense at the age of 35, he needs to have a bit of consistency to to have anywhere near the same effect. Really. <clears throat> the ball just wasn't sticking with Cameron Jerome, and... Uh, Luton didn't help him in the way they played up to him anyway so it was um, you know I, I predict Luton would roll them over but Preston really did a number on them they just outworked Luton and that's not that's really unlike this Luton side and uh, they, they didn't get anything they didn't deserve to get anything now the annoying thing about that game was that Preston played Liverpool in the cup uh, three days earlier and it actually looked like Luton had gone through over him battling that game Tony the real 
disappointing thing really was usually we could be relied upon defensively even if things aren't clicking at the other end of the pitch maybe grind out a nil nil or something but that day even defensively we just weren't at the races I mean the second goal of the penalty Sonny Bradley when does he dive in like that it's just yeah. you know whether the first one was a shot or a cross only the bloke who hit it knows we, I think we all know it's a cross that don't we never a shot um but, you know, the wise and the wherefores, we could have cleared that, didn't clear it. And then the Sonny Bradley tackle for the penalty. And even then, Saluga probably should have saved the penalty. It was just a real flat performance all around. I was. It, it was certainly nothing to write home about. Um, it, it just shows what the main issue seems to be with the side is consistency, um, which very much says to me that it is, it's obviously still a work in progress. Um I, I accept to a point Nathan's argument about three games in a week and, and how they're structured that you have two away and then one at home or, or vice versa, which doesn't help. But to be honest with you, it's the same for all the teams in the league. Um, you know, it, 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 any team would be hard pushed to, to repeat the performance that we had at Millwall. Um, and it, 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 you know, you, you, you go into this game. What, what is very disappointing from a fan's point of view is that you expect them to do more than what they're actually delivering. And, uh, you know, I've always been one of those. I can accept defeat if we put in a shift, but we didn't even seem to put in a shift that the, the players didn't look that interested. Uh, and you take nothing away from Preston. It was a good performance by Preston and, and they were up for it and wanted it more than us. But the defensive mistakes were, were deeply disappointing. I mean, that's not Sonny Bradley, is it? You know, and, uh, <clears throat> I think we, what you can do is just look on it and learn from it and put it down to, you know, a, a learning curve, learning experience, because we've still got a relatively young side, but it seemed to me on, on that day, it, it, it was the more experienced players that let us down. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. I mean, we huffed, we puffed in the second half. Musque had a shot from distance that was well saved. Somehow the goalkeeper got to Cal Naismith's deflected shot, pushed it around the post, and then Fred on your dimmer missed a header six yards out from goal from the resulting corner. But really and truly, it was just one of them days that but nothing we, we, was going to happen. We didn't happen. deserve anything no, from we it didn't. at all. Okay. And also, yeah. well, I mean, it should be said that but for Sluger at the other end, probably would have been more than two anyway. The yeah. fellow who scored two goals missed three more to get his hat trick and defender also missed one as well and uh, there was a one-on-one -on -one as well wasn't there so um, a real bad day at the office that one and I suppose you could kind of say that the, the following game James at home to Middlesbrough was starting off in similar fashion albeit Middlesbrough were nowhere near as dominant as um, as Preston but it took the town sort of half an hour to find our feet in that game, by which time we'd already fallen one nil down. But the good thing was Elijah was playing in that game. And there was a purple spell in the second half of five minutes that would have put any championship side to bed. Yeah. I mean, at the time I thought that um, it was a really poor first half. Uh, Middlesbrough did see a lot of the ball and you know, this, they obviously scored that goal, which has since been repeated in other matches, unfortunately, but, for all their possession, they didn't really do anything else other than that goal. When I look back on it, um, so I was probably a bit too harsh on them at, at that point. But it was just that, you know, up until the half time, they hadn't scored a goal for like 135 minutes of football or something like that. Um, and they didn't look like scoring either. And he thought it was going to go that way because traditionally, Neil Warnock teams are fairly difficult to play against. And if they go ahead, then it's going to be a tough, tough, um, evening but the second half was sensational 
just uh, blitzed them. And um, it was uh, everything you want from a, a Tuesday night under the lights or Wednesday, whenever it was. <laughs> no, no, it was a Tuesday. And it's easy to confuse the two, that's for sure. Uh, Tony, we actually won on television, which will shut so many people up because there's one yeah. thing that gets right on my nerves. It's everyone saying, oh, we can't win on television. And Sunny scored as well. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's four goals, all in front of the Sky cameras. Next game's in front of the Sky cameras. You know who to put your first goal scorer bets on, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, but that, that, that five minutes, I mean, obviously the sunny goal was the equaliser and fantastic. But then, you know, we had the second goal that Elijah's done brilliantly. Actually, Pelly, who was terrible against Preston. There is no other word to describe it. He was atrociously bad against Preston. I think even was, Jones said it was one yeah. of his worst games in Luton shirts. So, was every yeah. bit as good against Middlesbrough as he was bad in that game. His assist for the second goal... Um, and then, you know, well done to the referee for not blowing up for a foul for the third one because there's a lot of people who would have done once Lansbury puts his hands up, but I didn't touch him, I didn't touch him. It's often seen as a sign of guilt, isn't it? And Harry scuffed his way into uh, into the corner to uh, to finish the game off at 3-1. The game was dead and buried, wasn't it? Mm. Well, it doesn't matter if he scuffed it, he scored. And uh, now when, when Harry goes through with just a keeper to beat, you're not thinking, oh, well, what's the point? You know, <laughs> now there's a good chance he's going to score, and it's a, it's got a lot to do with confidence. You know, he, he's you can see the guy's been working on it, and uh, he'd have learnt from last season. I think what was the comment uh, about no fans being in the stadium so that he could hear what Jones was telling him to do, <laughs> and now he can't. So um, yeah, it's a lot easier for us. I think it's always been with Harry that um, if he isn't given time to think about it. He'll score. It's when he's got to think, and he probably overthinks it, and he gets into the situation. Oh, I've got to score. I've got to score, and and cocks it up basically. But um, it, it it was a pleasurable game for me because I've got relatives who are Middlesbrough fans, so it shut them up. <laughs> so uh, you know, including one of my cousins who said she was going to come off Facebook. No comments from uh, the Luton family, uh, but it was highly enjoyable. Um, uh, a, a good win a good win and of course um, it's nice to get one over on Mr Warnock and uh, give some abuse to Mr Blackwell as well it is yeah it's <laughs> very much uh, encouraging that he didn't go the whole game without getting abused and it's even more nice that he's no longer got a job either hopefully that's the end of <laughs> Blackwell in football Um there was nothing football about the last game, James. Apart, well, to, I'll, I'll give Stoke credit. Their goal was bloody class. Mm-hmm. 15, 16 passes, whatever it was. Carbon copy of the middle. Carbon goal, copy though. of the middle. But that was the only piece of football in a day where it looked like we were watching American football. The game stopped that often. Yeah. I've got issue with the 16 pass thing where they're bigging it up. I mean, it's not like they were playing pretty patterns around Luton in the in danger. Really and truly, it was two passes. They were one down the, back the side four. to Sawyer's yeah. and one across. Yeah. I mean, most goals, if you do an act and decent passing move in the championship, are going to be like that because they pass it around the back so much. So it's not, I am going to take away from Stoke from everything apart from the cross and the, 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 the shot that went in. Um, but Pelly should be closing the, the crosser down, Sawyer's down. And then it was a carbon copy of that. Um, Middlesbrough goal. Uh, Middlesbrough, uh, yeah, Middlesbrough goal, uh, which you know, happened the game before. So um, it's that's a d- bit disappointing, that one. <clears throat> Someone suggested, actually, which would be interesting to know, if, if they're sort of zonal marking, 
Um, and they've just all lost him twice because it just seems a bit too simple that the striker has peeled off the back of a defender and they don't know where he is and he's just stuck it in at the back stick. But it could be just one of those things. Who knows? But, um, they've been, they've been reasonably good this season in defense, haven't they? So it, it could well be, but you just got the sense that everything that happened before the goal, that, that was it. It's just a, ho- a horrible hour of football after that point. Well, just, there was no football, was there? Uh, it was it three was, bookings for time wasting. Mm. A just, goalkeeper it, who went down injured when yeah. everyone in the world could see there was no injury there. It was just an embarrassing piece of acting. Not the first time it's happened this season. Uh, was it the Huddersfield keeper who went down with cramp as well when he hadn't moved prior to it? And then we had a referee who seemed allergic to stepping outside the centre circle. He was that terrible. <laughs> it was just. I mean, if you wanted a shit show of an afternoon, that was it, really. It's the time wasting that obviously gets everyone annoyed. Well, I've, I've got a grudging respect for the the cynical shit housing fouls where you know Luton have broke and the player gets yanked back by his collar. Although in rugby, that's a sin bin, isn't it? Um, so it's not quite. It doesn't quite fit the punishment there because at least Luton the game's on. going on whilst that happens. Yeah, what can you do when the ball's out of play? You can't do anything. You know, someone said to um, me on Twitter, we've got to get better at breaking teams down. Well, don't matter if they're organised, disorganised or not even on the pitch. If the ball ain't in play, you can't do nothing about it. Although, to be fair, it it disrupted Luton so much that when the ball was in play, Luton was doing absolutely nothing useful with it anyway. It was pumping long balls up to an absolute giant in the back. Four for Stokes. Yeah, that fellow Harry um, Suter. That fellow got relegated from the basketball team, didn't yeah. he? I mean, crikey! It, it was just, it was just. You're not hiding to nothing trying to play with that. But they packed the midfield so effectively with so many spoilers that I guess that that was the the, the tactic was trying to get Harry on the shoulder and get away. Or Elijah is actually an effective player holding the ball up. But it just didn't happen. None of it happened. It didn't work. I had a tremendous feeling at deja vu. It was like, are we playing Wickham? Yeah, yeah, it was exactly yeah, like that. Yeah. Someone, uh, someone did say to me, actually, oh, yeah, it might have been on Monday night at the Meet the Manager evening, which we were going to um, discuss a bit later, uh, Stoker Wickham with money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I thought was an apt um, apt description. There was a positive, though, from that game, Tony. Uh, Alan Campbell returned in the centre of the pitch. I mean, we've spoken on this podcast before about how that fella's a Duracell bunny. It just, and it's same again. And it, I, I guess it just summed up the referee that he was booked for a perfectly good tackle yeah. where he clearly won the ball. Mm. And you're just like... Come on, ref, help, for God's mm. sake. At least and, and, have and, some control of the game. He's supposed to be a premiership referee. Supposedly. You know, it, 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 it's just crazy. I mean, it was, it was good to see him back in, and, and obviously it's still going to take him one or two games to get back up to where he was. But it's good to see somebody like that who's box-to-box box and getting stuck in and trying to fight for us. But all round, it was an awful, awful day. I mean... You got you have to give credit to Stoke because they got their tactics spot on. They they, they went out to spoil it. They came for a point and and you know came away with three, but it didn't help because we were playing into their hands. I mean they obviously sussed out the long ball over the top to the flank for for Harry, and uh, we kept doing that. And and the fullback could match him for speed. Uh, so we get and and really. And it's one of those games where when you've got a big side like that, the only way you can beat them 
really. It's, it's not through the mod- middle because they're just going to pack it and whatever. It's down the flanks and get them facing their own goal when you cross. But we weren't even able to do that. And I, I, I think the whole team... Um, but the full weren't, on their, weren't on their game. The full backs were at fault for that. They weren't, I was just about yeah. to bring that up. They weren't um, adventurous enough. They seemed a bit... Uh, Playing within themselves, Brian Bell. But even when they got into positions, the crossing, the crossing was awful. Was awful. Yeah. Yeah. But also, and that's not like them because they've been very good at in it, that Bell, department. Bell was also losing his man all the time. Mm. You know, and, and uh, I, I think it was just uh, uh, you've got a side there that, are, that are, are very good at gamesmanship. They're big, they're physical. And, you know, right from the word go before it, I thought, you know, this is going to be a tough one for us. And when they went 1-0 up, I, I turned around to my cousin and said, that's, <laughs> there's no way back for us, we're going to lose this. Yeah, and Nathan knew the way he had a go yeah. at Pelly, um, he knew that that first goal was, they're big, they're physical, and my God, have they got a bunch of precious fans. If anyone's read my Twitter oh, feed yeah. in the last four days, oh, Jesus no. Christ, they're still, <laughs> they're still going at it. And, the, and game finished, the game finished five days ago, I mean, come on now. Yeah, give give it a break. Uh, did we miss Henry Lansbury in that game? And if we yeah. did miss yes, Henry Lansbury in that a game, shadow of a doubt we yeah. did. Yeah. So if we did miss Henry Lansbury in that game, then that yellow card against Swansea—that's never a yellow card in a month of Sundays—has come back and haunted us mm. beyond. It's whether he would have played though, because I don't think he's played uh, that many games in a row. And Nathan alluded to that afterwards. I think he might have because I he's got that. He's got that gloriously snide aspect of his play. Um. I think but, he'd have played instead of Campbell myself. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the the fact that he's got a suspension is no surprise. Uh, it's of not. the way he's been playing. Just that yellow card that shouldn't have been a yellow card is ultimately yeah. what's got him. Because I mean, there's only he, two games left and then it goes up to 10. So yeah. he wouldn't be a million miles away from, okay, he might have got booked against Stoke. I mean, everyone else got booked in the game, didn't they? But at least he'd have been playing in the game. At least he would have had someone to put their foot on the ball and thread a pass through or something. But we was denied that because of a yellow card that just was yeah, not a we, yellow card. We didn't have a spark and there was a distinct lack of creativity there. You know, um, it was another game where I thought, you know, we'd be not only Lansbury, but crying out for Luke Berry as well. Yeah, Luke Berry's I th- Yeah, I think you just got to accept that Lansbury's going to get booking every game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't uh, mind that. Yeah, I don't I mind know. him getting a booking if he does something to merit the booking. That's, yeah. But that he didn't on that occasion. Just one other thing to touch on. I mean, you've both mentioned the same goal twice. I'm not picking anyone out here, digging anyone out or anything, but that goal hasn't happened while Tom Lockyer's been in the team. Hmm. Dot, 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 discuss. But you poisoned Penn him, didn't you? I did not poison <laughs> Penn him. I merely bigged the fella up. And then two days later, he's gone into a melee protecting his teammates yeah. when the bloke should have been sent off for the tackle yeah. anyway. Yeah. And now he ain't been seen since. Yeah. I know yeah. there's talking of a groin injury, but... You're not going to write any more columns on any particular. Well, funnily players, enough, I've been commissioned to write one on Elijah Adebayo, but I'm kind of tro- I'm kind of thinking of holding. I'm kind of thinking of holding back until sort of February, he just in case. A, he also did a special podcast with uh, Amari Bell, didn't he? And that, that is very true, actually. <laughs> and then he was out of the side, so you know. Hatchet Harper is what they'll start calling you. Actually, to be fair, uh, I should I should actually uh, thank everyone for their positive comments about that Amari um, podcast. He was fantastic to interview. Unfortunately, as the boys have said, his form since the interview, which had nothing to do with my interview, has gone a bit pear-shaped. But they're the four games. We've got six points from the four games. 
it's not doom and gloom. I know that the two defeats were really tame and really horrible to watch. But ultimately, if you take six points from every four games, you're going to be nice and happy mm. at the well, end of the season, aren't you? I think everybody realises that, um, you know, we, we, we're not going to play brilliantly every single game. We're going to have bad games. We're going to lose matches. But you're right in what you say. As, as long as we remain a winning side and we're picking up points, we'll be fine. And we're still 10th in the league. We're well, all... yo-yo in between 10th and the playoffs, so it's not yeah. bad. I mean, it, the, the fact that the, we're talking about that as a top half of the um, table team is exactly what we wanted, wasn't it? Well, that's the thing. We're a third of the way into the season now. We're higher than what we were at the end of last season, so progress has clearly been made despite the two disappointing games in the last three. I don't think anyone really, when we look big picture, which I know football fans don't do very often, but when we look big picture, there's nothing really to be down about. Well, no. I mean, um, in those two defeats, they haven't been played off the park. They've just been ineffectual. So Mm. it's not like they don't belong there. Um, You know, they clearly do now. So it's just that consistency level. And everybody at the start of the season, we were even us three and anyone else that was on this podcast was saying that it's going to be that sort of transition season. At the mm. minute, it's better than a transition season, mm. but it's not the finished article. So you know, it's it's good. And ten it's good years stuff. ago, we'd have been praying to play at that level yeah. and even put in performances like that. You know, yeah, so it came up on my Facebook memories earlier. That. Ten years ago today, we lost at Wrexham. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, thanks. Sure, if, if, ever, if ever to. you need some perspective on things, yeah. sort of thing, there, there it is. Let's talk about something positive then. Uh, Elijah Adebayo. I'm not going to go through his full name, so we'll just go Elijah Adebayo. Um, Nathan described him as priceless after the Middlesbrough game. He doubled down on that at the Meet the Manager evening on Monday. He's more than priceless, isn't he? Because he, the drop off after him in the side, as we alluded to earlier, is too vast at the moment for him to be anything less than priceless. Yeah, he I mean he absolutely is. For the amount of money he cost and you know it's un, it's undisclosed but we're led to believe it's around sort of 250 grand army. It's an absolute steal. Um you know they got him I think they've also said that they got him slightly ahead of time because they saw the opportunity. So perhaps he would have come in in summer in any other mm. circumstance. But he had that um, extra period from January at the end of last season to bed into the team and, and, and obviously hit the ground running when he scored his first goal on his full debut. Um, it, I think on, on, uh, meet the manager, Nathan said that they brought him in to be the replacement for James Collins. And, and really he's excelling, isn't he? I mean, James, emotion, James Collins was a great servant in the championship. He was like a te- between 10, 15 goal a season. But Elijah's racked up half of that already, isn't he? Uh, but it's what else he brings to the team. You know, we we were the James Collins Appreciation Society on here, and James Collins, was, he'd run after players and he'd harangue them, and then he was great in defence, heading away. Well, Elijah does that all as well. Just on Collo, just before you make your point on Elijah, it should actually be said that obviously Collo has said that he's going to be looking elsewhere and assessing his options in the summer, which is why we've jumped the queue to get Elijah. So... We probably owe Collo a little bit of thanks for doing that, actually, because he's well within his rights to keep Sturm and just go and survey his options anyway, isn't he? But the fact that yeah. he's obviously clearly let on that the, to the club that, you know, I am thinking of 
looking at my options, which I'm sure everyone knew anyway, but if you get it confirmed, you get it confirmed, you know exactly where you stand. I mean, that's a good thing to do. And obviously we're, we're clearly reaping the rewards for it. Yeah, there is that. I, I, I don't think it probably would have played any difference, really. I think that Luton would have been well aware that at the age of he was, you know, Collar was probably at his ceiling is the term now, isn't he? Whereas they go and get a young hungry player and try and develop him. Uh, and, and Elijah looks like he's developing well ahead of schedule as well. Uh, he's, um, you know, he knows where the goal is now, but some of the, some of the stuff that I'm really impressed with from him is, is stuff that might not be very flashy or you might not pay too much attention to, but it's, it's stuff that perhaps Colo wouldn't be able to do. So there's what, there was one instance in, um, the last, not the last home game, the home game before that, where the ball got pumped up to him. Now, Colo was decent at holding the ball out, don't get me wrong, but the ball got pumped up to Elijah and he used every bit of his, six foot whatever frame to jump up in the air chest the ball down and then somehow miraculously spin away from the player seemingly in midair and get away from him then he's got that first stride with the long legs to beat beat the player and, and get Luton on the front foot now Collar wouldn't have been doing it for the best will in the world he's not he's never had any pace <laughs> he knows what the goal is but he doesn't but that's what that's what Elijah brings and uh, th- there's a real strength there as well. He's, he's knocking players out of the way and holding the ball up. His wonderful feet for a for a big man. He's going to be some player, mm. and I, I don't think it's unfair to to be asking to, to be considering. Oh well, what if somebody comes in in for January? It's going to have to be a hell of an offer. Yeah, if mm. he leaves in January, James Justin, as our record sales, not lasted very long, has he? Because no. he'll be eclipsing that. They won't sell sure. him. They won't sell no, him. They won't sell him. Um, not that, as we said, the, va- the gap is too vast. What I like about Elijah Tony, and in fact, no, not what I like about him. There's so much I like about him. One thing in particular, he has got so much better with his body position when that ball comes to him. He can now hold the defender off and there's no way the defender can get round without fouling him. And it's, there's so much Mick Arford about that. Yeah. And, um, you know, Colo was good at it, but when he was up against, he tall fell over def- a lot as well. Yeah, exactly. He? When he was up yeah. against tall defenders, he could get leaned on, couldn't he? And then yeah. like you say, he fell over. You can't lean on Elijah. No. Like, the only fellow who can do that was that basketball player that Stoke had. Yeah. But <laughs> apart from that, it's impossible. So once he's got the ball, you've got runners off, around him as well once he's got that ball under control the opposition know oh shit we are in trouble now because you can't get around him and that's just brilliant for a strike and that must be brilliant for every other player Harry the two fullbacks the attacking midfielders they must love it I mean yeah you you know that uh, nine times out of ten when the ball goes up and Elijah's under it's going to stick um and I agree with James. I mean, he is going to be some player because the rate he's developing is, is, is great. He knows where the goal is. And, you, you know, normally when you see a player of, of that size, you, you, you first thought, well, he must be a bit of a cartels. But, God, for such a big man, he's got wonderful ball control and, 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 and close skills. Um, nutmeg a mermaid as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where did I, that quote come from? I don't, I don't, That's the second time you've used it on this podcast. But where know, did it come I don't from? Know. Maybe it's from his own head. Yeah, he's, he's, know, someone's, he's someone's yeah, trumped that That's just a credit to me now. It's great. Do you know what? I I, I look at him and, and, and to me, there's a touch of the Enoch about him. 
in, in the fact that he's got those long legs and he's powerful and he's paid. And even sometimes you can see the, the Enoch-esque things coming out because when it comes down, I, I don't, sometimes I'm, I'm sure Elijah doesn't even know what he's going to do with the ball. Never mind the defender. Um, but he's certainly improved our attacking options no end. And I, I think, um, Harry's goal scoring. Um, has certainly benefited from having Elijah up front with them and the two are developing into quite a potent strike force and I, I, I think there are going to be other clubs casting envious eyes on both our front two now um, but again I, I don't think we've got anything to worry about in the January transfer window I think we'll be looking to strengthen the side more so than uh, weaken it by shifting players out but as you said it, it would only be a really stupid um, offer mm. um, to take, but I don't think clubs are are, are going to do that. And well, uh, also the way the way Luton are and where they are in the table, re- realistically, if he's going to move to a Championship club, there's not many now that yeah. it, it, it would be a step on. So then he'd have to go to a Premier League team, and then that bumps up the money anyway. I think you're looking now probably north of ten million pounds mm. already, but the, the the fact that he's developed so quickly and the rate of that. Luton know they could double that in a, yeah. in a year. Um, you know, he, he won't be around for long if he carries on, but he'll earn a hell of a lot of money for Luton. And but that is exactly the model that Luton should be doing. It's yeah. what Brentford did. And I think he's going he's gonna to be scoring a, a lot of goals for us. I mean, he's, he's often been compared to Ivan Tony, isn't he? Mm. But I think he's got more about him than Tony has. And I think he, he's got the potential to be a better player and a better goal scorer than Ivan Tony. That was the yeah. thing I was about to say. There's two types of footballers, isn't there? There's scorer of great goals and great goal scorers. Mm. But he's a mixture of the two, isn't he? Because actually his goal against Middlesbrough was really underrated because mm. there are bodies flying all around and he just took his time, waited for one to dive in, it shows his nudged it around him. Yeah, it? it does. Nudged it around him and then bashed it through the keeper's legs before he had a chance to... He not make two people with that shot, by down. the way. He did, he did. Well, <laughs> two mermaids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did. Um, but... It just yeah. goes to show, though, doesn't it, that composure in the box is some something we've always lacked under Nathan Jones, haven't we? We've never been ruthless. And it hasn't really cost us because we've always been so far clear in League 2. Not as far clear in League 1, but still clear. And obviously in the Championship, we've been winning games 1-0 in the main. But the composure that he's got added to the qualities, the physical attributes that he's got... He's improving all the time. You can tell that, can't you? From, like you say, that first goal that he scored against Sheffield Wednesday, if my mind is right. Now, he scores all kinds of goals. He can score the powerful shots. He can score the headers. He scores the tap-ins at the back stick against Hull. It's a great spot kick taker as well. A brilliant penalty taker. Got so much composure. It's just, this kid, there's only one way he's going. Mm. He's going up and up and up. And he's taking us to the new le- to the next level with him. And yeah, yeah. It's well, absolutely it, 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 fantastic. He epitomises what Nathan was on about with, uh, he wanted more athletic players as well. He's got that. He's got the lot. He's he, got the lot. He really has. What needs to be remarked on as well is how um, Luton have spotted him, really, because they, they, he, he's, when he came to Luton, there was a hell of a lot of Walsall players going, oh, well, <laughs> you know, you've got a cart off there. <laughs> he didn't score that many goals for him, to be fair. Um, and it shows that sort of development that he's, that he's put on in the second half of last season and over the summer and this season that now we're talking about him in such glowing terms. And somebody at Luton, 
and not just somebody they've got lots of people that do it they've all got a great eye because <laughs> no one else was in for him no, no well, nathan th- alluded to it on monday say, didn't yeah. he that they they actually knew of him at fulham yeah obviously yeah. mark pembridge was his um academy coach then so obviously there's still ties between pembo and, and luton so they he was on their radar then as nathan mm. confirmed but it still takes a lot to take a punt on mm. someone from League Two. There ain't many championship sides who do that. I mean, I know Cardiff did with the fella from Crawley who are now sees doing the rounds at Milton Keynes. Um, but it, it's not just taking the punt, is it? It's having the staff within to get what you think you can get out of this person. And when you think that we all said when he signed, well, he's going to be great learning under Mick. Well, unfortunately, because of circumstances, he hasn't been able to learn under Mick. But when Mick is, if and when Mick is back, and he learns even more under Mick. I mean, Jesus, the ceiling, as you've said earlier, is the, it's now the going thing. The ceiling is, well, I mean, you're talking shard levels for, <laughs> for height, aren't you? It's just... Yeah. But, I mean, you look at it, you could, you could, you could compare him um, with the other player we've taken from League 2, Carlos Mendes Gomez. And, uh, you know, uh, Elijah's come in and he hit the ground running and he, he looks first choice in the team list, you know? And then when you look at um, Carlos, um, he hasn't featured as much, and it's really because they they think he's not ready for the championship yet. Which uh, Nathan again spoke about on Monday night, uh, and said Carlos is aware of that, so he's he's not unhappy about not playing because long term. But it just shows you that some of them, you know, you you never know how it's going to be because you, you. you know, it, eight, 18 months ago, if, if somebody had turned around and said, we're going to sign this player from a League Two side and he's going to go straight into the team and he's going to be a fixture in the team, we said, yeah, no. No, because the step is too far. You know, so I, I think the guy is, he's done fantastically yeah. well. I think the difference more there... Power, more power to him. I think the difference there probably is that um, Fred is ahead of him and he's had more championship experience. And Carlos only had one season really in League Two where he got mm. more come up. And it was right to uh, highlight him as a player that they could develop. But um, the difference with Elijah, I think, is that they probably saw him like that when they bought him in January. But circumstances dictated that they needed to switch things up. Uh, Carlo wasn't scoring and it wasn't having a great time. And they, they, uh, got Carlo out of the team. We were a little too predictable, really, weren't we? They, they were. Yeah. They benched him and they, they decided from what they probably saw in uh, training, but also circumstances, that it, they'd try and go a different way. And that is what they were building to for this season. It just so happened that it's that scenario of when you're given your chance, you've got to grab it with both hands. And that's exactly what Elijah did, really. And mm. he's just gone from strength to strength, really. So that's what Carlo could probably do when he gets given a chance. It's just at the minute, Fred's ahead of him. And I think there's that as well. When you just mentioned predictability for last season, I think we're a bit more unpredictable. And I, I know uh, we've covered the Stoke game, but going back to it, I think um, looking at it, I, th- I think the best way to take that is, is probably as a, as a, a compliment that Stoke set up that way to stop us. So, um, but more power to, to Elijah. It, it, it's been great to see that. And uh, yeah, as we all said, he's going to bring, he's going to earn a lot of money for this football club. I think the key difference uh, is we're dangerous in more areas when Elijah's on the pitch. Obviously, mm. Elijah's a danger in himself, but he brings so many more players into the game, which Colo towards the end, you know, he was, he was, he was just struggling to do really the, in terms of the, 
the progression through the leagues. It was Danny Hilton who brought players into the game more than Colo just scored all the goals and he was fantastic at doing it and Elijah's doing that as well. But just we just have so many more options and, and it, the basic in, ingredient, the real important ingredient is his athleticism, isn't it? And that's the thing that this club needed uh, that we've got, not just in him, but in every summer signing that came in as, along with Harry and I think we've got ourselves a new appreciation society haven't we yeah yeah but if you think about it as well that Harry wasn't scoring last season as well so all the onus was on Colo and then when he wasn't that was a problem and there wasn't many goals coming from midfield that's happening now but you've got as a strike force um you've got Elijah is a handful because he's size and he's his speed as well but now you've got Harry who's moved more centrally is why he's scoring more goals mm-hmm. as well and seems more confident he's scoring as well so you've got this classic sort of big man small man type strike force but both of them are quick <laughs> and it's dangerous and of course their speed allows us to win the ball a lot higher and obviously mm-hmm. if you win the ball higher well, we've, got, you we've more, got a lot more pace in the you side, get more yeah. chances if you yeah. win the ball higher up the pitch and you incidentally just... we t- you, t- you talked about Alan Campbell having a great game and his, his return um even though it was the Stoke game, he was one of the standouts and that is what he does really well. He like snipes around at the, just behind the strike force and, and doesn't give defensive midfielders and, and centre backs much time with the ball and they win it back a lot. And that mm. is great for, um, being able to counter and, 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 and doing what they do with the pace that they have. Yeah, he's great to watch Elijah in every um, facet of the game. And uh, I, for one, am certainly looking forward to watching him for the rest of the season. And if he survives the curse of my column that's coming out over the weekend, then (laughs) that's going to only add another zero to his um, transfer fee, I would imagine. Uh, Another player who's really good to watch, who is probably equally as important to us, but at the other end, James, is Cal Naismith. Are we looking at the championship Alan Sheehan with Cal Naismith? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. He's got that... Um, Maybe uh, not such a wand of a left foot. Not saying that it's a bad left foot by any stretch of imagination. Well, he got the free kick. She, no, Sheehan's yeah. left foot was just a genuine wand, wasn't it? But yeah. in terms of what he does with bringing the ball out, the comfort in which he does it, the diagonal to James Bree, popping up in areas within the attack as well. It just it, it dawned on me the other day, he does everything that she's did coming through those yeah. lower leagues. Yeah, probably, I, I hadn't considered it to be fair, and you, you're probably right there. It was um, she and signing was kind of a transition point under Nathan, wasn't it? When they Which got, I don't know, we're going to come on to in part two of the podcast. Yeah, uh, it was just that ability to play a bit more football, and with him, you've got a player that routinely bursts out of the defence to try and pick a pass. Don't forget that. He's got an amazing Hollywood ball out to the flanks, which is what Stoke sussed out a bit. But um, that has worked a treat against numerous teams this season that he can pick out a player and, and, and get the get the uh, team moving like that on the counter. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a great signing and it's not quite a Luton signing as well because he's tw- late 20s, so he's not that profile that they were after. But, you know... what where he's played uh, in his career, his quality is un- undoubted. And um, yeah, the fact that he's versatile as well, usually some, sometimes that plays against you, I think mm. the versatility, but he is equally adept at uh, playing in a wing back, full back role or uh, in a two or a three. I think he benefits more from a three 
as you saw there's when, more license to go forward from the three isn't there? also you saw when Sonny wasn't in the team at the start of the season and they were struggling aerially um, you know particularly against Birmingham the couple of games before that um, that's not his game obviously that's what Sonny's there for so I think the three probably does suit him better um, and that seems to be working more now anyway when, when we were talking about it last season when they were trialling it we weren't too convinced about about it but uh, it, it does now but it works with the revolving cast as well but he seems to be the mainstay whereas it's uh, Bradley Burke and uh, Tom Lockyer that are revolving around him and he's in there he's a leader as well and that's a good thing and he can take the captain's armband when when Sonny's not there and he's a Scot that you can understand and they're bloody rare breeds (laughs) (laughs) No comment. <laughs> they had him up in the middle for a game, and uh, and they are. Uh, James brought up a good point there. I was going to bring it up to you uh, anyway, Tony. Yeah. Is he underrated because he can play so many positions? In terms of, do people not actually look at the technical aspects that he's got? They just think, oh well, he can play here, there, and everywhere, so he's just good yeah, in everywhere. Can, but he's yeah, actually he's better than good, isn't he? Jack of all trades. Yeah, but he's it? better yeah. than that. He's better than good. He, he is. He's. He's. His reading of the game is, is superb. Yeah, and well. I'm glad you mentioned and, that actually because there is a stat. He's second for interceptions in the championship this season, and yeah. he's well clear in second yeah. as well. And you know, he, I, th- I think he's the best of our central defenders at bringing the ball out as well and looking to play players in, and and uh, and, and, and and certainly I think in the back three he, he's he's a fixture, and you know I, I think he that left hand side. Um, is so much stronger and I personally prefer the back three of Naismith, Bradley and Lockyer um, but Burke has never let us down when he's when he's played there so um, I, I think Cal looks weaker when he, he's played left back and I think that's purely more due to lack of pace than anything else um, but yeah I, I can certainly see the similarities between him and uh, Alan Sheehan well, the crazy thing is, when I first noticed him was the Portsmouth game in the snow, and he played right wing for them. So yeah. <laughs> he can play; he can genuinely play everywhere. Did we get it wrong on Saturday because he played the middle of the three? Sonny Bradley spent an awful lot of time galloping towards the halfway line on the left hand side. Mm. Did we get it wrong? No, I don't think so no. because they didn't threaten, did they? Stoke, that was it. They scored one I mean, goal. Just, and they just didn't threaten. Just from cows like adding another man to the attack sort of thing, which Sonny doesn't do naturally, does he? It's just... I mean, the, the, it the, didn't look good. The entire defence got caught out for the goal. Yeah. It's just that it not really anyone's fault. It, no. it, it wasn't, it, they didn't cover themselves in glory. But other than that, the, there's not many teams that have cut a swathe through Luton. Really. Um, you know, even you think about the Preston one, some guys hit a lucky shot and it's gone in. I still think Sluga should be doing a bit better. Um and then the, the the other goal was a carbon copy of that one. Well, the, the only side that have taken us apart that way are Birmingham. Yeah. You know, and that's because of a couple of factors. We were awful on the day and they just clipped. Well, everything they hit went in, didn't it? So, you know, and, 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 but I think if, if when Naismith's not, not playing, um, I think we look weaker mm. at the back. He, 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 he does strengthen it and... I, I think he's been a great signing for us. That, really that interception stat is probably yeah. a good um, explanation of why he's one of the best players to bring the ball out. Because if you can nick it off a player, then you've, you've passed one line of 
the yeah, opposition's defence, aren't you? And you're in straight on the midfield straight, straight away, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a good skill to have. Um, yeah, I, it, it, uh, it, the fact that he got, got him for free. I mean, they've got most of their players for free, haven't they? It's, um, again, it's testament to, to the, the, the eye that the backroom staff has for players. I yeah. think if, if you look at comments from fans and that, his previous clubs, they all love him. Yeah, you can understand that. And cause... I remember when we signed him, we picked him up. The comments that we all, oh, you've got a bargain there. He's great for it. And he didn't look great when he first came into the side but mm. once he found his feet and everything he was just do you know what I think the guy's great he's a winner isn't he it's not he his fault well. he was at Rangers <laughs> you know but he's upgraded so you know he has indeed he's a winner as well isn't he uh, I mentioned uh, I heard him after the Middlesbrough game I didn't heard him after the Preston game not the Middlesbrough game and whilst he was clearly down as everyone should have been about that performance you know he, you could tell he was going to be the one to go and make sure everyone just parked it got on with the next game the championship's an evil beast you're going to lose games yeah. he's got experience in it but you could also tell he don't like losing and that's a that's a fact of the whole side i always say if luton town lose this current luton town side if we lose be absolutely shit because yeah. there's always a bounce back you don't need to tell them that they're bad and they always are of i think we've mentioned it on previous podcasts our record after a defeat under nathan jones is sensational it's, there's never yeah. two on a trot and um, he always brings that up as well and he's right to because yeah, absolutely um, it gets a reaction bounce back ability has been the the thing hasn't it but yeah cal naismith he's just alan he's the scottish alan sheehan for me he's he's but absolutely the, the thing is as well kev you look at that I, I, there's such a togetherness about this squad as well and all the players that have come in are, are, are bought into that yeah and they've become part of it and uh, it's great to see that team spirit yeah well i mean nathan has that saying doesn't he which i'm not going to repeat but if you were at the meet the manager night the other night <laughs> you would have um or watching it on zoom you'll have heard it but it's it basically in a nice term is we pick nice people not bad people and um, Naismith certainly fits into that fantastic player and uh, I'm sure he's going to be a star of the season for the remainder of it that's the end of this uh, first part of the podcast Um, that's looked back on everything that's happened we will be back with part two where we look ahead to everything that hopefully is going to happen so uh, make sure you download the second part as soon as you can